Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you here with us today. I want to start by saying a big thank you for the five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast. The reviews that you've posted really do mean a lot to me. I read every one of them, and importantly, they help with the algorithm, which allows other people to be able to find the podcast. For example, from Australia, Joe Simchun said, thank you so much, Anthony, for your podcast. Your approach, your ability to articulate and contextualize each guest to the industry we both share and love. I love listening to your podcast while also walking my dog along a South Australian beach. I find your podcasts and courses invaluable. You keep me inspired, relevant, and accountable. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you too, Joe. And from Linda Deason from the United States of America. She said, such a great podcast with relevant information, whether you've been doing here for five months or 50 years. So I have a little favor to ask of you, and that is that you too rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. By doing that, it helps other people find us. But more importantly, it also motivates us to keep producing great content for you. So if you just go to the Apple Apple Podcast app, search Grow My Salon Business, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews and write a review and we would be very appreciative. So with that said, on with today's episode. My guest on today's podcast is Gino Stampora. Now, Gino is a returning guest on the podcast. The last time was way back in July 2019, which, if you're interested, was episode number 10. And I dare say the world was a much gentler and more predictable and certainly a more peaceful place than it is today. Now, amongst other things, uh, Gino is a hairdresser. He's a former salon owner and a motivational speaker, primarily in the American market, but he does do uh, stuff elsewhere as well. So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss why you can't change today's business challenges with yesterday's thinking. And we're going to talk about technology and the impact that integrating it has on the way that salons operate today. And we're also going to talk about adapting traditional business models to the changing times and the changing expectations of both consumers and those people that work with us and so much more. So without further ado, welcome back to the show, Gino. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm looking so forward to today. I've been thinking about it for the last few weeks. I love your podcasts. I think you do a fantastic job, and I can't wait to share and contribute to your audience. I'm looking so forward to it. Thanks, Gino. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know that positive feedback of the podcast. There's a lot of work that goes into it, as you know, and I know that having you on here, a lot of listeners will get a lot of benefit from because not only are you entertaining, but you have uh, a great message as well. So, can we just start off by you sort of introducing yourself? Just give us your sort of two-minute backstory so that we've you know got some context around everything else that we say. 
No worries. I am a hairdresser. I accidentally fell into beauty school. I don't know how or why. I had just gotten out of the army. I didn't know what to do. I looked at all those beautiful girls inside that school and thought, I have to get in there and meet those girls. Oddly enough, while I was there, the uh, administrator of the school, uh, welcome to the school. You're a young man, and we don't usually get young men. Why are you here? So I'm here to get my hair cut. I wanted to meet the girls. He said, what's your name? I said, Gino. And he turned around and he said, do you know, even with just that name, you could be a success in the beauty industry. And I went home thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And I thought, I'm going to go back and sign up. So I did. And it was the best thing I ever did. You know me, Anthony. I love us. I love the beauty industry. I love everything about us. When I first became a hairdresser, uh, I really wasn't that good. Uh, I'm still not that good technically. I tell people all the time. However, I, I feel like in our world, uh, if you're nice, uh, you'll do okay. And I'm a real nice guy. So I ended up going from okay to owning a salon, to owning a few salons, to having a small collection of salons, then a couple of beauty schools, a small distributorship, and kind of did everything. And I've loved every minute of it right up until today. That was good. That was uh, really well condensed for you to be able to get that in that time frame. I'm so, um, look, um, that, 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 that's great. That gives everyone, you know, who Gino Stampora is in context. Now, as I said in the intro, you can't change today's business challenges with yesterday's thinking. And I definitely believe that. But at the same time as that, in your extensive career, what are some of the timeless principles or values that you believe are crucial for success in the hairdressing industry, regardless of the generation or era that you might be from. Now, another way of saying that, Gino, is if I'm a 22-year-old stylist, why should I listen to you? Well, the, I think, uh, and you and I have talked about this before, and I don't want to get too long-winded, but I do have a philosophy about this. I don't like when people put portions of of, of humans in categories like millennials or baby boomers. or mm -hmm. I think we almost have to work backwards and realize we're all human. We're all people. We all have beating hearts. We all want respect. We all want to be successful. We all want to do well. I think everybody wants to get the most out of their lives. I think we have to be careful sometimes dissecting people and saying, because of your age, you're different. I think we have to take into consideration that what's happened is the speed of life is faster than it's ever been before. And it's going faster all the time. I mean, they say now uh, close to a third of Americans, almost half under 35, get most of their knowledge from the internet, get most of their information and news from the internet. My news and my information came from three channels for 30 years on a television set. And now there happens to be a hundred of them. So I think if you look at what is timeless, what's timeless is that, that people want value for their money, that people want to be respected, that people want to feel like somebody special. And I think that stuff never goes away. It's almost like a great hairdresser that does a classic bob. The classic bob has been in existence for, what, 80 years? And it's still one of the most popular haircuts in salons. We, we have to look at things that change rapidly, things that rarely change, and most things with business that never change. Make sense? Definitely, definitely. Good. And I agree with what you said about, you know, being careful not to group 
all humans into certain categories. And, you know, I'll often talk about different generations. And I think that sometimes a generation can say, can maybe epitomize a certain way of thinking at that, of that time. But I think that the way Gen Z are portrayed as a generalization at the moment isn't really just about Gen Z. It's really about people today that yeah. people today want a different work-life balance, that people today want more flexibility, that people today want more control over their lives and their income and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, very good point. Very good point. They learn from us. Uh, my youngest, my son, my youngest child, uh, when I talked to him one time about uh, you need to buy a house now, own your own home, you're getting to be 30 years old. He said, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want the anchor. Basically, mm. what he was saying was I learned from you that owning a home is a lot of work and mm. that you're always doing something to it. So I think we have to take responsibility for the fact that we taught a lot of the younger people uh, what they want and don't want. And they've become smarter and a little more articulate and a little more particular in what they will and won't stand for what they will and won't tolerate you know how do i get the most out of my life and and i can understand i mean when when i was younger i worked 65 70 hours a week and i hear i hear people say today 35 hours is my max uh but the reality is all of us are learning that, uh, especially post-COVID, which I think has so much to do with all of this, is that, you know, uh, life happens a minute at a time. And, and how do you make those minutes worthwhile? And how do you have time to get into nature and get into life and get into your hobbies? And kind of, uh, I used to say to my children all the time, and I think it's one of the greatest questions in the world, Anthony, how, how can you enrich your life and career and make them more rewarding? That's a personal responsibility, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, very good. Good point. Um, it's interesting when you, you know, we're just talking about your son then for a minute. And it's the same all over the world. If we just go back, I don't know, 40 years ago when I bought my first apartment, the one of the ways of measuring affordability of housing is that it's a multiple of what the average wage is. And I can remember when I bought my first place, you know, the average, well, for me, I don't mind sharing the numbers. You know, I bought an apartment, it cost me £30,000. And that was three times what my salary was. Right. Well, that same apartment today, based on what the average wages would now be nine or 10 times. So basically what that means is that 40 years ago, it was quite easy to get into the property market. Today, and I'm, obviously I'm living in the UK, so they're UK-based figures, but I know the pattern would be very similar in the US. I know it's definitely similar in Australia, New Zealand, etc. And so a generation of young people today, they don't necessarily feel the need to get into owning a place because it is so much harder for young people today than it was for young people 40 years ago. So there's lots of things that contribute to them having a different perspective um, on the world, you know, least of all the changing economy like that, but also, you know, different technology, social media, all sorts of things have, have given people a different outlook, a different perspective on what's important in life. And we're not going to talk a lot about COVID, but obviously, you know, COVID sort of really shook the tin of beans up, so to speak. And people had some time to sort of sit back and 
and reassess what they want out of work and what they want out of life. And uh, So many people never had that time. They never in their whole lives had the time to sit back and say, who am I, what am I, and what am I becoming? And I don't like to continuously bring up COVID or talk about it or go back to it because I yeah. think it was a black hole. Um, but I do believe that a lot of people overlook the true effects of what COVID did to people. The true effects of what COVID's done to all of us, to mm. all of us in regard to some people have become much more selfish. Some people have become much more, it's all about me. Some people have forgotten how to communicate the importance of, but if you take kind of what you just talked about and shift it to beauty, as an inspirational speaker, primarily in the beauty industry and as an educator, I look at then uh, why not teach everyone how to be the best you can be as quickly as possible so that you can make the most amount of money in the least amount of time? And it's not that money is the most important thing in the world, but I love to ask people sometimes, how much is it costing you to live like you live? How much is it costing you to work like you work? And, and what if you changed the way you did things and developed a little more knowledge and knew how to close the sale and how to connect with people and everything that that we need to do to be, you know, what I would say, ultra successful in beauty. Yeah, definitely. Um, just going back to what you said before, and I don't want to talk about COVID either. You get sick to death of talking yeah. about it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's interesting. It's sort of gone in in phases, um, the impact that it's had on people everywhere. And obviously the initial impact was uh, health impact, and then there was the financial impact, uh, economic impact, and that's still sort of playing out to some degree. But I think when we look back at it, and we're starting to look back at it now, but when we really look back at it in five or 10 years, it will be all about the psychological impact that it had on us as a society and the, right. you know, the, the way that sort of has impacted on how we choose to work and live and, you know, mental health and all that sort of stuff, which has become so much more of a big thing these days. Um, let me ask you a, a, another question about, you know, you've been in the industry uh, a long time. Um, how do you see the industry evolving? And what advice would you give to salon owners looking to adapt to changing needs and preferences of both consumers and employees today? I know that's a bit of a big mouthful. Uh, yeah. But I hope you've yeah. got your head around that. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, you know, uh, first of all, I feel like consumers not only really haven't changed, but over the last few years, the consumers found value in us like they never did before all over the world. Uh, I think a beauty salon was important. I think hairdressers were important, but I think now more than ever, people having the lack of us understand what we provide in a salon, that that we give them that safe space and a way to get away from all their stresses at home and the added confidence of knowing they look their best. So I do believe that in today's world, the consumer sees more value in us than ever before. I think as a salon owner or a business person, you really have to look at adaptability and, and how do we how do we make our salon adapt to what people wanted. You know, there was a time in, in my flagship salon in Georgetown in Washington, D.C., where uh, 
all of my employees wanted to have babies. They were all at the baby age, you know, baby having age, 20s to 30s. And a lot of them got pregnant and we got confused as to how would we fill the chairs and how will we bring in enough money to to be profitable. And we decided we would just move most everybody into part-time. If you could do 20 hours a week happily, then come and do it. If you can do 30 hours a week happily, come and do it. So I think a lot of people get confused because they keep looking at the old model. But not only does the old model not work anymore, you can't even think in model anymore because the speed of life, like we talked about earlier, is going so fast. The business model is changing basically every day. You know, five years ago, you could get all the loans you wanted to build your business. Three years ago in in America, the government gave you money to build your business. I know many of the countries in Europe that your countries gave you money because they knew you didn't have any. Now, all of a sudden, the money's gone. The interest rates are sky high. People are trying to figure out what's coming next. I think you want to be careful not to take your eye off the ball. And that is to to do a great service, both to your customers and to if you have employees or coworkers. Uh, Be the best that you can be for them. And understand that, that old movie, if you build it, they will come. If you create an environment uh, your, your, your customers will come. Now, I don't want to get long-winded, but in, in regard to employees, Anthony, I, I've never had a problem with it. Uh, you know, I'm fair, I'm friendly, I'm honest, I take care of my people. I think if that's your reputation, you won't have a problem attracting great help. I mean, the, 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 the smart young people today, which, by the way, are the smartest young people ever, mm. uh, they pretty much know where they want to go and they pretty much know where they where where they're going to fit in and if you can create that path for them you don't have to worry about employment yeah i like what you just brought up there at the beginning of that about um your your personal experience with team members and if they wanted to work 20 hours a week they could 30 hours a week they could etc if you're not prepared to work like that today as a salon owner you've got a problem because you know, now I read somewhere recently, I think uh, our mutual friend, uh, Gordon Miller, quoted a statistic where he said um, 60, I think, I think I've got this right, 64% of the American hairdressing market now work 30 hours or less a week. Um, I think I know I'm very close with that number. So it's either 64 or 62 and it's 30 hours a week. So essentially... We have become more and more of a part-time industry, um, and we have to because otherwise you won't attract and won't keep staff if you're not prepared right. to, right. you know, to have that, you know, that different outlook. Um, another thing I want to sort of connected to that is over the last, you know, 10, 20 years, I mean, time flies, we've seen a huge uptick in self-employed and it looks different in different countries so in the united states there's a lot more salon suites but there are now salon suites you know in the australian market as well and in in some european countries uh but in in those countries there's a lot more self-employed people uh, and that's been a general trend all over the world what i wanted to ask you about was where do you think that's going in the future? Do you think the pendulum's going to swing back a little bit? Has it gone as far in that direction as as it's going to? Or do you think it will just continue in that direction? Or are you not sure? I think all pendulums 
swing both ways. And I think you it, it, it's like investing in the stock market. You can't look at a stock that's growing now and expect it to grow forever. So I think the pendulum is shifting a bit. But I think as people get smarter, self-employment is something that looks like a great opportunity for them. What I find a lot of times is I had a former employee one time that was going to do the same thing. And I said to her, you know what? Before you go into self-employment, I want you to think about one thing. You never listened to me when you were behind the chair in my salon. What makes you think you're going to listen to yourself? You know, now you're your own boss. If I couldn't get you to come to work on time, how are you going to get you to come to work on time? So I think there are people that are meant to be there and they will get there and and make that sweet thing work for them. But I think there's some people like myself. I need other artists around me. I need that excitement and passion that I get from working with a team. I need all of us to kind of help each other. I'd go nuts if I was in that room all alone. So I don't exactly know where it's going, and and I kind of don't. I'm careful of the people that tell me where it's going because I feel like, how do you know in today's world where anything is going? I mean, it changes so rapidly. But I do think that uh, if your dream is to do that, it'll work. And if your dream is to have a salon with a staff and you can have adaptability, that'll work too. You know, yeah. they're, they're, the great thing about beauty, and I know you know, Anthony, and, and you're worldly like I am, is that no matter where you are in the world, there's a place for a beauty salon. There's a place for a hairdresser. And no matter where you are in the world, there's a client base that really wants to come to you. There's people that, that really want to support you and work with you. Yeah, definitely. So, right. uh, yeah. Want to talk about communication and and service for a minute? Uh, I know that you know com- communication is something that's really important to you, uh, and the service side of the industry is really important to you, and they're key to success in this industry at so many levels. How have you seen those aspects change over the years? And I'm not just talking about social media. Um, we've already touched on it when we've, we've mentioned different generations at different yeah. you know, generations and the relationship they have with you know, older generations are, are, are changing and have always changed. And that's just the way it goes. But what I wanted to ask you is, how have you seen that, that change over the years? And what strategies would you recommend for maintaining strong client relationships as a salon owner and relationships with your team members that are younger than you, if you're a salon owner. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I love it. That's a great uh, four questions kind of put into one, but that's, <laughs> a, that, that's a great group of questions. So, okay. I think, uh, first of all, um, I believe people today have to be very careful about their level of passion and their level of energy. And I think that, uh, uh, we tend to be an industry of artists that can very easily lose sight of our passion. Uh, there, there's one thing to be said for a person that starts beauty school and how passionate and excited they are. And even by the time they finish beauty school, it's kind of gone. They're kind of burnt out already. And now they're looking for a job and they kind of want. So I think it's important. One of the things I've always focused on is I loved beauty in beauty school. 
And when I fell in love with beauty, I never let that love go away. I, I still love it today as much as I ever have. We uh, we went on vacation last year, and my family wanted me to do something crazy like kayaking or hiking or something. And I said, I'm a hairdresser. I, I don't really do that. You know, I'll tell you what, you guys go do that, and I'll go find a salon. And they were like, a salon? I said, yeah, my people. I'll go find, well, what if they don't know you? I said, I'll bring a pizza. Any salon, if you bring a pizza. <laughs> They're going to love to see you. And I'll go in and I'll hang out and be with my people. My passion has never wavered. So I think the first thing is keep your passion high. Be passionate about your customer. Be passionate about your business. You know, people equate passion to expertise, Anthony. And if you're passionate, even if you're bad, they think you're good. You know, they just see it as, well, gosh, you love what you're doing so much. You you must be better at it than most. I think that that's the first step. I've always had a thing about giving 100%. And I believe my whole life changed when I developed the habit of giving 100%, 100% of the time. And I think you have to be careful with every guest. It's not about how much you like them. It's not about how much money they have. It's about your position in life. And your position in life, if you're a hairdresser, is to do your very best every time, all the time, all day long with every guest. Lock them in. You know, make them love you. Find a way to make them love you and stay with them. Now, the the last part of your question, service, uh, you know, I've always had a servant's heart. I have a servant's mentality. I love to serve people. I love to make their day. I love to smile at people walking down the street. And and to some people, a smile is nothing. You may not even get a return. But to some people, a smile changes their entire attitude of the day. It's so valuable. So I think it's important if you have a servant's heart, you have a servant's mentality. The the Hard Rock Cafe and the Hard Rock Hotels, the Hard Rock Casinos, their, their motto is love all, serve all. Why can't we establish that as a motto? And then you don't have to worry about service. You'll you'll find yourself making a point of being on time, making a point of not just taking care of people, but my mode behind chair was in my five foot by five foot space, I was going to make them realize there's no one quite like me, that that they don't have to search. And, you know, kind of like you talked about, I know the UK is kind of exploding with some sweets and stuff coming in. It's not just that. It's that people have more choices than they've ever had before. The consumer, there's a salon everywhere, or there's somebody in a suite somewhere. So you've got to find a way to really lock down that guest and, and make them love you. And it's not that hard. It just takes focus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The current podcast out this week is with a guy by the name of Alex Yuanu. I don't know if you know Alex. I love Alex. I know he, him. I've worked with good. him. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he's a lovely guy and I've known him for 40 years. We sort of started our career at the same time. And you know, before we started recording, I said to you I try and get an angle for every podcast guest that I have. And the angle I wanted to have with Alex was about the humanity side of success, you know, because he's just such a, he's he's such a wonderful human. He's just a very nice person. You go a long way to be a more genuine, nicer person than him. And so that's what we focused on in that whole episode. And, you know, it is such an important, like, ingredient to it all, isn't it? I mean, yes, you've got to be good at doing hair. Yes, you, you should be good at social media and all this stuff as well. And yes, you should be embracing, you know, new technology and artificial intelligence and on and on it goes. 
But sometimes, and I think this sort of is also tied in with what you and I are talking about, is that don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, if that expression is appropriate here, that there are certain things that underpin success. And probably number one, uh, again, another mutual friend of ours, Wynne Claybaugh, he wrote the book, Be Nice or Else. Right. And, and Alex is sort of the poster boy, really, for, for being nice. He's a gentle man. I mean, he, he's just wonderful. He, you 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 got to love him. Yeah. You, he doesn't give you any alternative. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing, I, I, and I'll probably get into trouble for this uh, if, if I don't phrase it correctly. You, you mentioned um, burnout. And that's another thing that we talk about a lot now. And I sometimes joke about this, and I can joke about it with you, uh, and say that in our generation, we couldn't afford burnout. <laughs> you did. Right. Like you, you just, you, you couldn't afford mental health. You, 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 you it was just it, those words were literally not uttered, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it, it was a very different sort of work environment. And I don't, I do not, I am not calling this generation, a snowflake generation, for example. I'm not saying that. Uh, and I think it's great that mental health is really uh, given much higher priority um, in terms of just just the dialogue of society today, that acknowledging yes. that mental health is important. It's incredibly important. But I also sometimes battle with people sort of really waving the burnout flag or often they'll use that term about the hustle culture. Right. And the thing for me is I like work. I, I don't apologize for, I love work. I work really hard. I work long hours. And do you know what? I always have. And to whatever degree I'm successful and I didn't get successful working 25, 30 hours a week. And so I grapple with that in my head of saying to people, look, if you only want to work 25, 30 hours a week, three days a week or whatever, that's fine as a business owner, as a salon owner. That's fine. I'm cool with that. You know, at the same time, if you want to be successful and if you want to get the nice things in life, whether it's a car or being afforded to go on holiday or buy a new apartment or whatever, you have to work for it. And so I always grapple with this balance between hard work, the hustle culture, and finding some balance with with burnout. I, I think the reason why I don't get burnt out is that I love what I do. If I didn't love what I did and I was working in the post office and had to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, I think I would be suffering from burnout. But I need to stop talking and get your sort of input on this. Like, like stare me in the right direction on that. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think we've made burnout and that that whole aspect of life so easy uh, that that it's become easy to say uh, I can't take it anymore. You know, I'm done. Uh, I don't know that we've gotten soft, but I do think we have an issue with purpose. That that there's a lot of people that never really establish what is my purpose in life. You know, where should I be in life? My purpose in life is to be an educator is to be a hairdresser. Uh, that's my skin. That's what I was born for. Now, does it mean that I love to go to work every day? Of course not. There's a lot of days I'd like to stay home. But what I have to do is 
I have to find a way to keep that passion alive. Anybody in a relationship understands the easiest thing you can do in a relationship is run away when it gets tough. But sometimes when it gets tough, the best thing to do is to look into it. How do we rekindle that fire? How how do we rebuild that passion? So, and I hate to use passion again as an example, but you know, uh, being an educator, Anthony, one of the things whenever I get interviewed, Modern Salon will say to me, you know, how have you maintained this for forty five years? I'm like, listen. I believe every person has greatness within them. And I believe my job in my industry is to help someone see that greatness and help them bring that greatness out, help them have that inspiration. And I think people lose sight of the fact that if you lead an inspired life, it's a lot easier not to get burnt out. It's a lot easier not to let that happen. You, you follow where I'm coming from. Yeah, and yeah, if, yeah. If, if we take those things and realize I'm not saying social media, AI, and all that stuff is bad, but listen, if you put your phone down just for an hour or two a day, don't live through it, live with it, but put it down and listen to a podcast or train. A lot of burnout is because you're not bringing new information into your head. You know, um, I, I like I said earlier, I don't believe that there's a model today that we can follow because the speed of life is just too fast. But mm -hmm. I think you can find what are those things that make you happy, that make you want to work hard, that make you want to be successful. I don't know about you, but I grew up Poor. Uh, my parents died young. When people say to me, sometimes I'm burnt out, I look at them like, my God, you're alive and you're relatively healthy. Let's shut off everything for a minute and put life in perspective. Facebook mm -hmm. is not life. Instagram is not life. LinkedIn is not life. These are people that can make stuff up and put it out there. Okay. Mm -hmm. What life is, is what's happening to you right now in your environment. So I just spoke to a salon, two of the hairdressers aren't busy. And I said, well, what would you do to be busy? And they're like, well, well, I don't know. And I said, let me tell you what I would do. Let me tell you what I did when I wasn't busy. I went out and knocked on doors and developments and passed out my card. I went out and talked to people. I went to restaurants at night and, and, and went to tables and said to people, I love your hair. Here's my card. You need to come to me. So you have to ask yourself sometimes, what am I willing to do for an extraordinary life? You know, we all have the opportunity, and especially in beauty. See, when you talked earlier about uh, Gordon's uh, statistic, which I have heard, that that many people work 30 hours a week. Well, because in our world, in the beauty world, if you work 30 hours a week smart, you make what I used to make working 65 hours a week behind that chair. I mean, yeah. the money yeah. is there. The income is there. Mm, I hope yeah. that I answered your question. I hope I hope that makes sense. But I almost get frustrated trying to get people to realize if you're relatively healthy and you're alive, you're lucky. If you're alive and you're relatively healthy, then don't let burnout in. You know, mm. fight it. Find maybe burnout is telling you you need to learn something new. You you need to read a book. You need to listen to a podcast. You need to go to a seminar. You follow. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've got two. I, I often mention my daughters on, on the podcast uh, because they are of, of that generation. They're 23 and, and 25 now. And it, it really fascinates me how open they are to talk about their mental health. Um, 
and how their generation and friends are. They will talk about it like, like you know, you and I might have talked about, oh, I've got a sore leg, that, that they will just as readily yeah. talk about their mental health, which is, which is really positive. It's good. Yeah. Um, you, mentioned, you, you mentioned AI and you mentioned Facebook and Instagram, et cetera. There. Let's just talk a little bit about technology for a minute because technology has significantly impacted on the way that salons operate, um, you know, in the, in the time that we've been in the industry. Uh, what are your thoughts on the integration of technology in the industry in all its forms? And, and how and why is it important that older, more seasoned professionals embrace new tools and trends in order to stay, you know, relevant, both creatively and business-wise? Right. Well, I think uh, as an artist, sometimes the hardest things to do are embrace new new learning, new ideas, new discovery, new technology. I, I think, first of all, the most important thing about this technology is rely on it or bring it into business because it will help you to see what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. One of the things I think that has always been a problem in the beauty industry is we really don't have quality control. Uh, nobody tells you in the morning, you're going to go to work and have a great day. I mean, I used to see times where my staff walked in, I told them I was going to put a defibrillation machine in the break room. And when they walked in, I was now get out there and look alive because half of them would come to work, you know, looking yeah. dead. And, yeah. and I think that if a client looks at you and you don't look happy, healthy, and rearing the go, they start thinking, I'm going to get a shitty haircut. And once they think they're going to get a shitty haircut, it doesn't matter what you do. That haircut's shitty. That's just pretty much how they think. You know, it just becomes the mentality. So I think use all the technology to benefit the, the building and growth of your salon, but don't rely on it. Rely on building business one customer at a time. Rely on getting a customer to hear your story, buy into it and love it, and then share your story with their friends and family at the coffee shop. I think if you do it that way, you can make it all work well. And I kind of feel like I then have to measure time, you know, and mm. Everyone has to realize whether you're whether you're listening to this podcast and you're 12 or you're listening to this podcast and you're 92, time is the fabric of your life. So where's the most important place to put your time right now? Where's the most important place to really focus on that time? What do I need to learn? What do I need to change? How much do I need to change? How much do I need to learn? What? How do I fill that gap? What's lacking? in in my life what's lacking in my career and then how do i build that can i use technology yes possibly uh, can i use old school thinking of course you can because old school thinking it's never going to go away it's there and it, and it works does it mean that that's how you should run your business no there's some technology you can bring into i mean a great software in your business will show you quality control you know, I remember the when we first started having salon software and I put the software into my salon and, and I was able to read how many customers you did and how many customers came back. And I quick had a meeting with one of my staff members and I said, um, you, you've got to stop doing hair. And she said, why? I said, because she used to say all the time, if a client didn't come back, they died. And I said, well, after looking at the you're killing the entire community. <laughs> No longer do. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I like that one. Okay. That's good. That's very good. Okay. Um, 
Let's let's sort of, uh, as we head towards the sort of tail end of this, let's talk specifically more about the sort of younger generation in the industry as well. Uh, although we've been talking about that a lot anyway, but I, I really want to sort of focus on that. How can salon owners create environments that attract and keep talent while still meeting their business goals? I love it. it. I, I know we've been talking around that, but like yeah. if we could yeah. sort of really focus on that for a minute. And and uh, let's go back to which we didn't cover, and that was the thought of communication, because that ties right into where you are right now. Uh, of course, business goals is, is how do I have profitable employees and, and how can I be profitable? You know, the, the biggest part of business is, uh, in the end, are we making money? And if we're making enough money, then, you know, we kind of feel like we're doing all right. I think that uh, communication is lacking. And I think that everyone needs to take the time to look at it. It's like you talked about with your children. Um, uh, people talk about things now differently. They talk about things that we never talked about before. They talk about mental health. We hid mental health for many years. We never wanted to even bring it up, almost as though it didn't exist. You know, I remember one time mentioning to someone that my father was an alcoholic, and did he ever go to AA? I said, well, when my father was an alcoholic, there was no AA. You know, it t- it takes a while. For this stuff to come around, you know, we're very slow in evolving toward helping those people. But communication today, I think you need to communicate to a young person. First of all, people stay where they grow and people leave where they get stagnant. So you can't let a salon ever become stagnant. It's got to be all about growth and all about artistry and all about technical and business skills. And how do we grow together? I And I, I'm going to speed up a bit because I want to share all this with you really quick. In, in being a part of the team, Anthony, th- there's five great fundamentals to building a strong team. Number one is to share credit and knowledge with each other. You, you've got to share credit and knowledge with each other. If you're the top retailer, you've got to teach the person next to you how to sell retail. If you're the top booker, you've got to talk to the weakest booker and tell them how you're doing it because artists, we, we, we learn from each other. Fundamental number two is cover your team, which is very simply, if you have nothing the nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Don't take time to judge people. Give people the space to be who they are and then find a way to work with that. The third fundamental is to stimulate spirit. Now, I have a high level of spirit and I don't really need it stimulated by somebody else, but I have a lot of friends and a lot of family that need spirit stimulated. They're, they're walking around half dead. And I have to say to them, my God, you're alive. How can you not be like just rum? You know, you got to get that going. You got to push it up. Fundamental number four is don't badmouth your coach. Now, funny, we were talking earlier about Stephen Terry Cowan and Sam Ricardo, which this all kind of ties in. My friend Terry Cowan, one time after I spoke, was kind enough, uh, big hearted enough and coach enough to be honest with me after I got done speaking. And I thought I was just, uh, oh, hell, for years, I thought I was the man. I mean, I am, wow, look at me. And she just tore me down to nothing and told me the truth, that I wasn't all the things I thought I was. I went home and uh, Sam Bricado calls and said, hey, how was your meeting with Terry? I said, I don't want to be an educator anymore. And Sam said something fabulous to me. He said, Gino, I never thought at the first sign of rain, you'd melt. I said, I didn't melt. He said, you melted. Go back and thank her 
for being honest with you. Go back and thank her for taking you uh, to a place that you've never really seen yourself before. And and we've both kind of gone around with this a little bit. Listen, uh, if you make a list of the things you want in life, they're not going to come unless you go out and work for them. I mean, that's what hard work is all about. So I think if you create a path as a salon owner for this younger generation to see what they can become and see where they can become and see that they can they can have the greatest life they want within your salon, that if they'll just attach their dreams to the salon dreams, it'll happen. And be prepared. It's going to slowly drift away. And when it does, a great leader brings it back. And you get them back in charge. You get them back in touch. Now, c- communication-wise, Anthony, it, it's been difficult. Uh, people don't realize that that it's not what you say that matters. It's what people hear. We have to be articulate with words today, and no one's really taught us how. Even in the salon, you know, uh, I have the best-selling CDs in the beauty industry. The reason I made those CDs was because I listened to my staff and thought they don't know how to talk to their customer. I'm going to have to teach them how to use words of value and and how to put words together and and how to teach people how to get from where they are to where they want to be and how to explain to a client, we don't change the world with one haircut or one color, that that I'm going to take you on a journey and we're going to basically do this together. So I, I think the answer to communication is Everyone should be listening to a good podcast on how to communicate, get a good book on how to communicate someplace close to your house, no matter where you are in the world. There's a brick building called the library, and you're allowed to go there and borrow books, and you can borrow a good book on how to communicate. So I didn't mean to ramble on, but I think that that stuff is is so validly important. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and, and you've been in the industry a long time. I know you don't have salons anymore. And at the at the beginning, you sort of went through what your journey had been with salons and schools and distributors, etc. Um, and so you've obviously seen lots of changes, like I have, over you know a forty plus year career in the industry, as to how the way we do business uh, uh, has has evolved just as much as how the fashions of the day have evolved. Yes. And so you've obviously had points in business where you've had to completely reassess how you're doing certain things. Right. So the question I'm asking you is what what bit of advice can you give to today's professionals as to how they can benefit from the lesson that you learnt about embracing change? First, surround yourself with great smart people. That's first. Make sure your friends, your advisors, your coaches, make sure they're great. Make sure they're smart. I think one of the greatest changes in life is to surround yourself with a great doctor, a great lawyer, a great accountant. The the days are gone that your accountant was your mother's accountant or a friend of your uncle's or you need to have the best of the best around you. You know, that's first. Um, secondly, learn to listen. The, the more you talk, the less you listen. It was my problem for 35 years. All I ever wanted to do was talk, 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 talk. And then I learned to listen. And I was like, wow, you can learn so much when you listen. So learn to really listen to people. Listen to their story. Listen to what they did, what worked for them. It might not necessarily work for you, but all of that wisdom can build up within you till all of a sudden, you know, you've heard the 
saying, uh, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to sleep on it tonight. When you sleep on it, that wisdom in your subconscious sometimes solves that problem for you the next morning. So really take the time to learn to listen. And there are some fabulous books on learning how to listen. Thirdly, take care of yourself. Just uh, know who you are and have a hold on you. Spend a little time just with you, not with you and your partner, not with you, just a little time just with you and know what moves you. What are the things that move you? What are the things that excite you? What are the things you want out of life? Get a pretty good hold on yourself and realize that you are evolving. So that's going to change a lot. So you need to go back to you every now and then and say, how am I? You know, am I happy? Am I doing well? Is everything good? What do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? And I used to use it as an example all the time that when when early on uh, in with NASA, when a rocket left the Earth and it was trying to go to the moon, they had a computer on there called a mid-course correction computer. People don't have one, but we sure do need one. Every now and then you need to stop and look at your path and 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 adjust your mid-course correction computer. Maybe you got move to the side a little bit and you you need to recenter and i think if you if you take the time to breathe and take the time to recenter um you don't allow burnout in you know you don't allow that negativity in you know uh people sometimes lose sight of the fact that negative energy is way stronger than positive energy it always has been it, it's the easy way out so it it's not as easy to be positive but the benefits are tremendous, you know? So yeah, that would yeah. be the last thing. Find a way to, to to maintain a positive, motivated attitude. Yeah. Okay. Uh, three words I, I wanna I wanna get you to think about. First one is flexibility, second one is control, and the third one is autonomy. When you talk about people today, okay, I had to pause, I didn't want to say today's generation but when you talk about today's workforce and i think this was happening anyway this wasn't caused by covid but flexibility control autonomy are the single biggest buzzwords in the workforce today how can employers reinvent fine-tune tweak whatever it is to offer more flexibility autonomy and control in the salon industry today I love autonomy, uh, and I think it's so important. One of the things I always did as a leader, as a salon owner, was everyone was, everyone was involved in every decision. Because when everyone was involved in every decision, they that created autonomy. They took ownership of those decisions. So you've got to include everyone. The, the day is gone of the boss coming out and saying, here's what we're going to do. The day has come where the boss comes out and says, I want to do this. Let's collaborate. How should this be done? So I think that that the answer with autonomy is to get everyone to buy into the the group culture. Get everyone to buy into. You know, one of my favorite sayings is is in the absence of culture, there's culture. It's just not your culture. Mm -hmm. So if we can get everyone to buy into the culture, autonomy automatically happens. Control, forget it. Uh, there is no more control. The only thing you can control is your numbers. And, and if everybody's doing everything right, that those numbers will be okay. Otherwise, uh, take the ceilings off. Take the limitations off. Don't try to control anyone. Uh, let them give, create an environment for them where they can be the best 
in that environment. Create a station where they can outperform even what they imagined possible. And then flexibility, well, it's just come of time. Everyone, no one, uh, you know, uh, most people under 30 today are unattached. They they don't even want an they don't even want an attachment of a relationship. Um, you've you've got to learn how to be flexible with everything all the time everywhere. I think that that's most important. And I think it's it's not hard to create a flexible calendar to let people basically come and go as they please. I don't ever want somebody to be in my business that doesn't want to be there. I don't want somebody to be in my business that that's mistaking activity for productivity. Mm-hmm. If they can't be productive, they they shouldn't be in the salon. We can't afford to have an unproductive person in the break room anymore. There used to be times when the cost of doing business was so much less. You could have three people in the break room making coffee, eating donuts, and talking about life. But but today that can't be. So a good part of flexibility is get people to come to work when they're most productive. They do their best work and then let them go. Make sense? Okay, good, good. All right, listen, we need to start wrapping up. I think you might have already answered this. Uh, what do you wish you were better at? Oh, gosh. I could name a million things. <laughs> uh, I think I, I'd i like to have been a better father. Uh, I'd like to have been a better husband, a better friend. Um, but now, I guess, I wish I'd like to have been better at beauty faster earlier. Now, I think... Uh, I'd just like to be a better giver, uh, more more open heart. Uh, I have a thing called my grounding pages. I'll tell you what, the next time we get together, I'll read every one. My grounding pages are if anybody wants to, and if you want to, email me, Gino, G-E-N-O, at genostampora.com. I'll send you my grounding pages, but there it's just three pages I read a couple times a week to remind me people matter as much as I do because I'm Italian and I'm an artist and I'm a hairdresser. And sometimes I think I matter more than everybody. And I have to shut myself down and realize you matter and your problems matter just as much as I do. And uh, I like to read those pages because it reminds me of that. It reminds me that it's important to smile, be human, give people a break, help people have a better day. You know, I think that's just a a big part of life today. And it reminds me to realize that uh, I can always be more than I am. Mm. Good, good. Okay. All right. Well, we need to start wrapping up now. Where can people connect with you on Instagram or other social channels? They, that would be at Gino Stampora on uh, LinkedIn and or Instagram uh, or Gino, G-E-N-O, at GinoStampora.com. I answer every single email I get, uh, and that would be Gino at Gino Stampora. And uh, if you email me, I promise I will email back. And that's the easiest and best way to get me. Right. Okay. Well, I'll put those links uh, on our website, growmarsalonbusiness.com and in the show notes for today's podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast with Gino Stampora and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. So to wrap up, Gino, I just want to say thank you um, because you, you always bring a lot of wisdom and uh you know, there's a there's a lot to be said for life's journey and the wisdom and the lessons that we accumulate along the way. And I, I just, you know, want to want to say how much I appreciate your willingness and openness to share all that with our audience today. So uh, to wrap up, Gino, thank you for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. 
Thank you for having me. And I want to say the same to you, Anthony. You've been a great friend over the years. You've been very inspirational. You've taught me a lot. I love your podcasts. I think it's wonderful that people have an opportunity to really listen. And when you can learn from somebody else's mistake, uh, when you can hear a story about somebody that fell into a hole, um, you can prevent that from happening yourself. So thank you so much for all that you do and all that you are. And thank you all. God bless. Be safe. Stay healthy. Thank Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Stephen. You're welcome. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.